Hey everyone, I'm your host, Ichi, and welcome to What Happened Again podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back, and today we're going to continue on with our Oscar series. Today's episode will be on Parasite, and so as always, I'll be giving a summary of the movie, and then afterwards I'll be giving my thoughts and review. And so if you've already seen this movie and you don't want to sit through the summary, down below my description I'll have a timestamp as to where you can skip to go straight to my thoughts and review. And as always, the thoughts and review and summary will have spoilers, and so if you haven't seen this movie yet and you want to watch it spoil-free, then please pause the podcast, go and watch the movie, and then come back to listen to my thoughts and review. And with that, let's begin. I would like to preface this by saying that Parasite is a South Korean film, and so it's set in Korea, the actors are Korean, and... The languages and culture in this movie are all Korean. And so the movie centers around the Kim family, a poor family in South Korea that lives in a semi-basement. And so what that means is that it's a basement apartment, but there's like one window that peaks above ground. And so it's a family of four with a father, mother, son, and daughter. And they're just a family that's struggling to find work. And you can see that they're like really struggling to make ends meet by the way that they act at home. And so again, their home is really small, really cramped, and one of the first scenes is of them going through every corner of the house trying to find free Wi-Fi. The son is like trying to find Wi-Fi, and the father's like, you need to hold it higher, higher. And so the son has the phone, and he's like putting it above his head and just like really just going through every part of the house just trying to find a free Wi-Fi signal. And so they make their money by folding pizza boxes, and they even take advantage of like this bug exterminator because... This person is like exterminating outside and Mr. Kim, you know, the father, he tells them to leave the window open and so that the free extermination can come inside as well and kill all the bugs that they have inside. And so one day the son's friend comes by and you can tell he's on like the wealthier side. He dresses nice. He's able to go to university and he gives the family a gift to help them bring in more luck and wealth. And so he takes the son and they go out and get a drink and he tells them that he'll be going abroad soon and he wants him to take over his tutoring job. And so he currently tutors a rich girl in high school, and he thinks that the son would be the best fit to take over. And so the son goes over to interview for the position, and the house he stumbles upon is huge. It was built by a famous architect who had lived there before them, and now it's lived in by the Park family. After impressing the mother, he gets the job, and then she tells him the details of the position, and says that his new nickname will be Kevin. So now the son of the poor Kim family's name is Kevin. And so as he's kissing up to the mother, She mentions that her little boy is an artistic genius, but none of the art teachers have been able to handle him, and so she's looking for another one. Kevin thinks back to his sister and how she's really good with art, and then devises a plan to get her a job with this rich family as well. And so he fabricates his story, not wanting her to know that this is his sister, and he says that his cousin's classmate is really good with art, and says that she went to the University of Illinois in the United States, and came back to be a highly sought-out art teacher, And so Mrs. Park is really interested, and so he tells her that he can help her set up a meeting with her. And so the next time he goes over, he brings over his sister, who is pretending to be this whole other person, to meet with Mrs. Park. She calls herself Jessica, and so from here on out, we'll call the sister of the Kim family Jessica. And so she pretends that she knows art therapy, which really interests Mrs. Park, because her son suffered a traumatic incident in the first grade, and so she's willing to pay Jessica anything to unravel the subconscious of her son, as well as provide art lessons. And so Jessica plays this part really, really well because when she's in the son's room giving the art lesson, the mother is trying to check up on them and Jessica's very stern with her. She says something like, 
we do not allow parents into our session. You'll have to leave now. In like a very, very frank manner. And even when she's describing the son's potential traumatic experiences, she's like, look at the bottom corner. This is the schizophrenia corner. Look at all the shapes he's drawing. Now look at all the other paintings and see how they have the same shapes. And the mother's like freaking out by the words that she's saying. But this whole time, she's just like making stuff up from what she read online. And so after the interview, the father of the Park family comes home and tells his driver to take Jessica home. So now Jessica's in the car with the driver, and she tells him to take her to the train station. The driver insists that he drives her all the way home, but she is very adamant that he just drop her off at the train station. The driver looks really, really rejected, and so Jessica thinks of a plan, and then she begins to take off her underwear and leaves it in the car. The next day, as the driver is driving Mr. Park, Mr. Park looks on the ground and finds the underwear. He figures that the driver has been having sex in his car, and so he discusses it with his wife, and they fire the driver. Jessica and Kevin are over at the house doing their lessons, and as Jessica is leaving, Mrs. Park confides in her that the driver has been fired and how they're searching for a new one. Jessica then gets the idea of hiring her father, and so she says that her relatives had a driver named Mr. Kim, who was really, really good, but now that the relatives have moved away, maybe Mr. Kim is free to drive. And so due to her recommendation, she's able to get her father hired as a new driver of the Park family. And so remember, although now three members of the Kim family are working for the Park family, they don't know that they are all related because of the stories that have been fabricated during the recommendations. So to the Park family, it's just a chain of recommendations. And so the final spot that now needs to be taken is the housekeeper's position. And so a bit about the housekeeper that I wanted to mention before I continue. Um, remember when I mentioned that the famous architect who designed the house also lived in it? Well, she was the housekeeper during that time. And when the architect moved out, she was recommended to the Park family. So she's been around for a very long time and it'll be hard to get her out of the house. And so one day, the daughter that Kevin has been tutoring mentions that she wishes there were peaches, but the reason why they can't eat peaches is because the housekeeper is very allergic. Even a little bit of peach fuss could cause her to get rashes all over her body, and so with that knowledge, the Kim family devises a plan. They get a little bit of peach fuzz, and when the housekeeper is outside gardening or like something, they sprinkle it onto her hair. She starts coughing and getting the allergic reaction and immediately goes to the ER. Mr. Kim sneakily follows her and goes to the ER as well, and then takes a selfie with her in the background. Later on that day, he is taking Mrs. Park grocery shopping and tells her this fabricated story about how he was getting some checkups done at the hospital and overheard the housekeeper talking on the phone about having tuberculosis. He says that he didn't want to snitch, but he thinks it's really unhealthy to have the housekeeper touch everywhere in the house, cook the food, clean the dishes, and have this disease. And so while the two of them are coming home from grocery shopping, Mr. Kim quickly texts Jessica that they'll be home soon, and Jessica puts part two of the plan in action. And so this plan is like crazy. It was so brutal. But basically, the housekeeper has come back from the doctors and is doing her normal chores, and Jessica comes down and sprinkles more peach fuzz onto her so she begins coughing again. And it's like perfect timing because Mrs. Park and Mr. Kim walk in to see that the housekeeper is coughing into a napkin. She throws it away and then moves to another room. And so as Mrs. Park stands there disgusted, Mr. Kim goes and looks into the trash can and he like sneakily puts hot sauce onto the napkin. So then when he lifts it up for Mrs. Park to see, he pretends that the hot sauce is blood. And so Mrs. Park believes that the blood is due to tuberculosis and so she brings the housekeeper outside and fires her. She is then talking about needing to find a new housekeeper and Mr. Kim says that he knows just the person. And that cues the mother of the Kim family coming in and taking the job. And so the four family members have now infiltrated the Park family and everything seems to be going well. One day, the Park family all decides to go on a camping trip for the son's birthday and leaves Mrs. Kim, the housekeeper, in charge of the house. 
Of course, the moment that they leave, though, she lets the rest of the Kim family in, and they're having the time of their lives pretending it is their house. And so Kevin's out on the lawn soaking in the sun, and Jessica's taking a nice bath upstairs. Kevin goes upstairs and grabs the park daughter's diary and begins to read it. And at night, it's just like raining a lot. It's raining really, really hard outside. And the family is all together in the living room, drinking and eating. And they imagine themselves living in this house. And so, you know, Kevin says that Jessica looked like she fit in that bathtub, like she had done it so many times. And then he says that when the girl he tutors goes to college, he'll ask her out properly. The family then gets really excited because that means that he could marry into this family and this house could really be his. And so they're just having a great time fantasizing, drinking a lot, and making a mess everywhere. Suddenly, the doorbell's ringing and the family freaks out. They don't know what to do because they weren't expecting anyone, and so the family hides while Mrs. Kim goes up to the doorbell video screen thing and sees that it's the old housekeeper that's buzzing in. She said that because she was kicked out of the house really quickly, she wasn't able to get all of her things and she forgot something in the basement. She knew that the parks would be out of town today and she cut the video cameras so Mrs. Kim wouldn't get in trouble for letting her in. She just really, really needs to go down to the basement. And to remember, it's raining really hard outside and the old housekeeper is just sadly waiting in the rain and so Mrs. Kim lets her in but doesn't let her look around and only guides her to the basement. The old housekeeper then goes down to the basement and you hear her struggling, so Mrs. Kim goes down to check up on her and sees that she's trying to push this cabinet out of the way. Mrs. Kim goes to help her and when they push it away, it reveals a door. The old housekeeper opens the door and runs down some stairs and is screaming things like, Oh, my poor husband. I'm so sorry. How many days has it been? I'm here now. I'm here now. And then you hear like a male voice just grumbling. And so Mrs. Kim goes down the stairs to find that there's a bunker with like a toilet, a little cot for a bed, a fridge, and the old housekeeper is feeding this man. And as this is happening, the rest of the Kim family is slowly walking down the stairs to not be seen, but to be able to hear what is happening. And so the old housekeeper explains that some South Korean homes have underground bunkers like this to protect them from North Korean attacks. Her family had accrued a lot of debt, and now they have nowhere to go that will protect them from the loan sharks. When the old architect, who used to also live in the house, sold it to the Park family, he did not mention the bunker. And so when the old housekeeper moved from the architect to working for the Parks, she hid her husband in the bunker and has been sneaking food to him ever since then. And they say that he's been down there for four years. And so she pleads to Mrs. Kim to not rat her out and that she would give Mrs. Kim money if she would go down there once a week and provide food for him. Mrs. Kim scoffs at the idea and threatens to call the police and the old housekeeper says, please, we are both needy people. We need to help each other out and continues begging. And so as the rest of the family is in the stairwell listening, Mr. Kim accidentally loses his footing and trips, causing the rest of the family to fall down the stairs and into where Mrs. Kim and the old housekeeper and her husband are. The old housekeeper, having worked with them before getting fired, instantly recognizes them and she's like, Jessica, Kevin, what are you guys doing here? And then Kevin says, dad, get off me. And the old housekeeper realized that they are all one family that's been pulling a scam this whole time. And so she grabs her phone, records a video of them, and threatens to send it to the Park family. She brings them all upstairs back to the living room, and her and her husband are laughing at the fact that they have all this power and they're viewing the send button on the message as a bomb with the Kim family in the corner with their hands up. However, when they see an opening, the Kim family jumps and tries to grab the phone from the old housekeeper, and now everyone is fighting and is just trying to grab the phone. Jessica runs to the fridge to grab a peach and rubs it all over the old housekeeper's face because if a little bit of fuzz got her coughing and rushing to the hospital, then a whole peach will probably mess her up really bad. And so they get the husband and they bring the two back down to the bunker and as they're doing that, the phone rings. And so on the phone is Mrs. Park and apparently because it's raining so much outside, the campgrounds were flooded and so they had to cancel their trip. Mrs. Park asks Mrs. Kim to begin cooking so that it's ready by the time they arrive home 
which she tells her is in eight minutes. And so the family is rushing to get everything back in order. Mrs. Park is beginning to cook. Kevin is putting the diary back in the girls' room. Jessica is trying to sweep the mess in the living room under the couches. And Mr. Kim is making sure that the two in the bunker are being kept in check. The Park family enters the house and the two kids immediately go upstairs into their room. And the mom and father linger in other areas, but not the living room. And so Mrs. Kim is still cooking. And you can see that the old housekeeper is slowly making her way back up the surface. But Mrs. Kim notices and kicks her down the stairs, causing the old housekeeper to get a severe concussion. Mr. Kim bounds the husband and wife and then breaks the handle to the secret door and places the cabinet back over it. Now the rest of the family has to go into hiding as Mrs. Kim cooks and talks to Mrs. Park, and so they hide under the coffee table of the living room, laying on the ground. The son of the Park family then comes down with the tent and runs outside to the lawn, even though it's raining. He insists on camping, even alone. So Mr. Park and Mrs. Park decide to sleep in the living room on the couch so that they can keep an eye on him. And so it is so tense right now because they're literally right there on the couch and underneath the coffee table right next to them is Mr. Kim, Jessica, and Kevin. Mr. and Mrs. Park then start to talk about getting hints of Mr. Kim's scent and Mr. Park comments that Mr. Kim smells bad and that it is so bad that you can smell it from the backseat of the car. He comments on how it smells like a subway and how he can't even remember the last time he rode a subway. And so you can see that these comments are really, really affecting Mr. Kim. And so finally, when the Parks are asleep, Jessica, Kevin, and Mr. Kim run out of the house and back to their semi-basement apartment. But because it was raining so bad, the area that they live in is actually flooded. And so all of their neighbors are shoveling water out of their basement apartments. And you can see the horror in Mr. Kim's face as he realizes that they might have left the window open to their place. And so he runs and sees that there is water coming up to their stomachs in their semi-basement apartment. They're trying to close the windows and salvage what they can from the flood, and then they spend the night in a gym basement with the rest of the people whose apartments got flooded. And so the next day, the Park family decides that they want to hold a birthday party for their son since the camping trip got rained out. And so they tell Mrs. Kim to get preparations and set everything up as they call Jessica, Kevin, and Mr. Kim to come and help out with the party. And it's really sad because Jessica, Kevin, and Mr. Kim are still in the gym that they spent the night in while getting this phone call. And so it's like their life got drastically changed by the rain, but the Parks still want them to go over and work. And so they go back to the house and begin working. Mr. Kim is asked to play a Native American along with Mr. Park and put on a little act in front of the son because the son is in love with the idea of Native Americans. And you can see it in Mr. Kim's face that he's really upset and doesn't want to be there because of what happened to his home. And Mr. Park gets mad at him and says that he's getting paid, so consider this part of the job. Jessica's job is to bring out the cake, and while this is happening... Kevin decides it's his duty to finish off the wife and husband in the bunker so that they won't be a bother anymore. He goes down to the bunker, bringing the large rock that he received from his friend as a gift at the beginning of the movie, and stops over the wife as he notices that she has passed away due to her concussion. As he's looking at her, he is ambushed by the husband, who is able to get out of his bounds, and they are fighting with each other as Kevin is trying to escape. Kevin makes it out of the bunker but is grabbed by the husband, and then the husband slams the rock onto his head twice, making a large pool of blood. After that, the husband then comes up to the surface, grabs a knife from the kitchen, and then goes out to the lawn where the party is at. Jessica is just now bringing out the cake, and he runs up to her and stabs her, causing her to bleed heavily. Upon seeing this happen, the Park son goes into a seizure, and it is said that he has 15 minutes to get to an ER. And so now Mr. Park and Mr. Kim run to the respective children as Mr. Kim is trying to put pressure on Jessica's stab wound, and Mr. Park is trying to get his son to the ER. He yells at Mr. Kim to hurry and drive his son to the ER, choosing his son over Jessica's life that Mr. Kim is trying to save. Mr. Kim isn't going to leave his daughter, and so he throws the keys to Mr. Park, but it ends up landing under the murdering husband and he is fighting Mrs. Kim off. Mrs. Kim gets a large skewer thing from the party and stabs him, killing him.
Mr. Park rushes over to get the keys from under the now dead husband, and as he does so, he makes a motion of disgust as he smells him, since I'm sure he smelled really, really bad being in the bunker for four years. And so this triggers Mr. Kim, since he's still offended by the comments Mr. Park made on his smell the previous night, and so he grabs a knife that Jessica was stabbed with and stabs Mr. Park, killing him, and then he runs away. So now there's a time skip to Kevin at the hospital, and we learn that he had brain surgery and is okay. Him and Mrs. Kim were put on probation, and Jessica has passed away from her stab wounds. There is still no sign of Mr. Kim after he ran away, and not even Kevin and Mrs. Kim know where he is. The Parks have moved out of the house, and a new German family was tricked into buying it, and so one day, Kevin goes to see the house and is looking at it from afar. He is looking at a light and notices that it's flickering, but in a really weird way. He then realizes that it's Morse code and begins to decipher it. It's now it cuts to Mr. Kim and we see that he's in the bunker and he has a light switch that he's able to turn on and off. And so then he begins writing a letter to his son, hoping that if he does the Morse code every night, one day his son will see it. And so he talks about what happened that day and what he did after he stabbed Mr. Park. He says that he was running away and realized that no matter where he ran, someone would be able to find him. And so he remembers that the old housekeeper had said that she had cut the security cameras. And so he turns back around and goes into the house and into the bunker. When the new German family moved in, he memorized her schedule. And so when they're away, he sneaks into the kitchen to get food. Kevin decodes the message and is saddened by the life his father now has to live. And so he then makes a plan and writes a letter to his father. He says that one day he'll go to college, get a job, and make lots of money. So much money that he'll be able to buy the house, and so when they finally move in, all his father will have to do is walk upstairs and be welcomed by his family. And then there's like a fantasy-like scene of this happening, and you see it play out with Kevin and his mother on the lawn, and the father coming up the stairs, walking out, and being embraced by his son. The movie, however, then goes back to the present of Kevin sitting in their semi-basement apartment with him saying, see you soon. And that is the end of Parasite. And so now I'm going to go into my thoughts and review, and I'm going to first start out with my segment called Facepalm. Normally this would be a section talking about the moments of the movie I didn't like, like the choices that were put in that I didn't really agree with. But because this movie was so good, and I actually don't have any like problems with it, then we're going to do the same thing that I did with Little Women, where it's going to be Facepalm slash yikes. And so these are moments in the movie that were so tense and so suspenseful that I was freaking out the whole time and couldn't handle the suspense. And so the first time is when Kevin kisses the girl that he was tutoring because it just made me so mad. Because a friend only let him tutor because he trusted him to not make any moves because his friend wanted to come back from abroad and ask her out properly. So when this happened, I was like, oh my god, is the friend going to come back and retaliate? Like, is that the thriller that will happen in this movie? I thought that was like the twist that was going to happen and when he kissed her, I was just like freaking out. Another moment is when the sinking realization hit that they would be getting rid of the housekeeper. She was so sweet. And then you hear like the ominous music and you know that shit is about to happen. And I just remember I was in the theater and like when I realized what was about to happen, I turned to my friend and I was like, oh my God, are they getting rid of the housekeeper? And she was like, shh, just watch the movie. And I was like, oh my God, I need to know. And the whole scene with them getting rid of the housekeeper was also just a really tense moment because the plan was being narrated as it was going on. And so as the audience, we were like watching what they were going to do as it was happening. Like we had no idea what was going to happen. And so the peach fuzz was ridiculous, but the part that really got me screaming was when the father put the hot sauce on the napkin and lifted it up for Mrs. Park to see, pretending it was blood. Like the pacing was so good, and everything that had happened till that point was a roller coaster. And so when he picked up the bloody napkin, that moment was like the cherry on top. More yikes moments are when the old housekeeper is buzzing into the house, and we could see through the screen that her face is like beat up, and it's raining, and it's dark, and it was just so scary because you know that she's up to no good. 
And that whole bunker scene was just so creepy. Like watching her go down those stairs and then hearing the husband's voice after not knowing what was going on at all. It was wild. But the most tense scene of this whole movie was when Kevin, Jessica, and Mr. Kim were hiding under the coffee table and Mrs. Park and Mr. Park were on the couch. Like, I don't think I breathed that entire scene. And when Jessica and Kevin were able to get out from under the coffee table just fine, but then when it was Mr. Kim's turn and the Parks woke up right then and he was still on the ground near them, but like in the dark and I just freaked out. It was so scary. Another like holy shit yikes moment is when... Kevin tried to kill the husband, but when he was distracted by the dead housekeeper, the husband was behind him and dropped the rock on his head twice. And at that moment, I went into like a permanent fetal position in my seat and was like watching everything through the cracks of my fingers. And my friend next to me was so upset. She was like, you have to watch this scene. This scene is so important. Like look at the screen right now. And so just the whole fight scene was wild, you know, stabbing Jessica and then fighting with Mrs. Kim and then getting stabbed himself. And then, of course, when Mr. Kim stabbed Mr. Park, it was just a crazy, crazy scene. But unlike Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where like I literally could not look at that, like I was able to watch this and it was still really scary. And I really wanted to just cover my eyes. But the way that they did it wasn't as bad as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so now we'll go into my overall thoughts. And overall, this movie was great. My friends were right in that I would love it and it checked all of my boxes and it kept me guessing the entire time like I had no idea what was going on. Like obviously they couldn't go on living this lie and get away with it, but how would they get caught? Would the friend come back and get his revenge on Kevin? That's what I initially thought. But then there was this moment when the Kim family is back at their semi-basement apartment and some drunk guy is peeing outside their window. And so Mr. Kim and Kevin go outside and pour water on him while Jessica records it. And then I was wondering if she was stupid enough to put it online, make it go viral, and have the Park family see it and realize what was happening. And so there's just so many theories that were going on in my head as I watched this movie, but I never would have thought that the old housekeeper was keeping her husband in a secret bunker underneath the house. Like, that would have never crossed my mind. But this film wasn't just entertaining and suspenseful. The message that it portrays about different social classes and the large gap between them was just all too real. The beginning showing how they were living with Mr. Kim keeping the window open for free extermination, Kevin and Jessica running around the house trying to find free Wi-Fi signal, and then the family getting upset with the driver for docking their pay. This may all seem like funny things at first, but this is the reality for some people, and it's not over-exaggerated, and it's like unapologetically real. When the house got flooded and Mr. Kim was trying to salvage as much as he could, as well as making sure his family was okay, you could see just how defeated he was in his face. And it's crazy to think about because it is reality. But it's crazy to think about how, you know, intense rain is just a slight inconvenience to the privileged, like how the parks had to cancel the trip. But to some others, it drastically changed their lives, like the Kims. And it was just something that I never stopped to think about. And I also read a bit of an interview from the director of the movie as he explains the ending and why he ended it with Kevin in the basement rather than ending it in the fantasy dream. And he calls it the surefire kill which is like if you shot someone and they went down and then you go up to them and shoot them again to make sure they're dead. And so he said that if he had ended it with the fantasy, the audience would have been like, ooh, nice dream, but it's pretty hard to attain. But with the movie ending back to the shot of the semi-basement apartment, it just shows that not only will it be hard to attain, it'll be pretty much impossible. Kevin knows it and the audience knows it that he will never get the money to buy the house, meaning his father will be stuck in that bunker forever. And it's just really sad to think about because hope is what Kevin and his father have of their future. 
but how far below he is financially compared to the parks is making this hope and dream unattainable. And so this movie is just like unlike any other movie that I've ever seen, and it definitely stands apart from the other movies of this year. It's just so creative, the pacing is so good, and there are no lull moments in this film. So there are no moments where I was like ever bored, and I was just literally at the edge of my seat the entire movie, from either watching their plans unfold by getting everyone jobs, to watching everything fall apart as the old housekeeper walks into the house. And like from the get-go, I just had no idea where this movie was going, and that's why I loved it so much. And so now I'm going to go into my segment called Obsessed, which is just moments of this movie that really stood out to me and that I was really obsessed with. And so it's like really hard for me to pick out these moments for this movie, because this whole movie was a masterpiece. But if I were to choose, one scene that keeps coming into my head is again, when they're trying to get the old housekeeper fired by pretending she has tuberculosis and having Mr. Kim pull out the bloody napkin from the trash. Just the way that that scene played out was so perfectly done. The pacing, you know, the slow-mo of bringing the napkin up from the trash. Like, everything was just so well done. The next thing that I was obsessed with was when Mr. Park and his son talked on the walkie-talkies. I, like, absolutely loved it. Because whenever they talked on the walkie-talkies, they would end with over. And it wasn't just the son doing it. It was Mr. Park as well. And it was just adorable because although we know that Mr. Park didn't exactly love his wife, it really showed how much he cared for his son. And so the last thing that I was obsessed with was the fantasy sequence at the very end with Kevin and his mom out on the lawn and then Mr. Kim walking up from the bunker to come outside and give his son a hug. It was really emotional to see because Mr. Kim wasn't really that bad of a guy. It was just the heat of the moment. And so for someone who didn't have much to begin with, ending up with less, it was just extremely sad to see and really nice to see this fantasy play out. And so again, all the scenes of the movie are great. These are just the ones that I keep thinking about when I think about the movie. And so now I'll go into my segment called Quote of the Movie, which is my favorite quote of the whole movie. And so this is when the Kim family is at the gym sleeping because their basement apartment had just gotten flooded. And, you know, Kevin asks Mr. Kim if he has a plan. And Mr. Kim responds with this quote. You know what kind of plan never fails? No plan at all. No plan. You know why? If you make a plan, life never works out that way. Look around us. Do these people think, let's spend the night in a gym? But look now, everyone's sleeping on the floor, us included. That's why people shouldn't make plans. With no plan, nothing can go wrong, and if something spins out of control, it doesn't matter. Whether you kill someone or betray your country, none of it fucking matters. Got it? And so it was a really emotional scene, in quote, because this is said by Mr. Kim while his family, again, is spending the night at the gym. And it's true, and it really resonated with me because I always feel like I have to plan out every second of my life. But that's just not how life works, and you can't plan it out like that. Because one thing can happen that changes everything. And so when he said that, after being so happy earlier that day playing at the park house, to now losing his own place to the flood, it was just really sad. And so now I'm going to give my rating of this movie. Again, I don't give numerical ratings, I put them into buckets. And so my buckets are love, great, good, like, alright, apathetic, and bad. And so this movie automatically makes it to my great category, no questions asked. I thought about putting it in love, but the movies in that category are my ultimate all-time favorites, and so due to recency bias, I'm hesitant to put it in there right now. But who knows, maybe I'll move up once I see it a few more times. But it is no question that I would put it into great, and it checks off all my criteria about keeping me engaged the whole time, keeping me guessing and having twists that blow my mind, and the rewatchability is definitely there because now when I go back to rewatch it, I'll be looking for clues and hints that I missed that I'm sure are there. One that I can think of right now is when they describe the old housekeeper and that they say, 
she ate so much that she could eat for two. And now it makes sense because she was sending the other serving of food to her husband. And so like stuff like that, I will go back and watch it and try to catch all of that stuff. And this movie is also a movie where I've been going to all my friends and I'm like, have you seen Parasite? No? Okay, you have to. Because right now, it is my top choice for best picture at the Oscars. I just really enjoyed this movie. It's just so different from any other movie that I've seen this year. And yeah, I just cannot recommend it enough. And so that ends this episode of Parasite. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to continue on with the Oscar series. And the next movie I'll be doing is Ford vs. Ferrari. And so I hope you stay tuned and I hope to see you guys soon.